please rise in spirit or in body for the reading of the gospel among the people. Jesus reminds us that loving God takes the whole body. A reading from Luke's gospel, chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. Jesus, or just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Glory to God. What a gift it is to be with you all on this Sunday morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Julie, for the invitation to spend the weekend with you talking about the Enneagram. Though some of you are probably still confused what that word even is. Maybe this will help some. It really has been a gift to be with you in this beautiful city, in this beautiful community, and with dear friends. L. Frank Baum, in 1900, published The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz gave us Dorothy Gale. She was the first protagonist feminist of American literature. Baum's mother-in-law, Matilda Gage, played a huge role in his life and in early 20th century social change and feminist politics. She was an abolitionist whose home was part of the Underground Railroad and a suffragette more outspoken than Susan B. Anthony. Dorothy, our young feminist in the story, is lost and seeking her way, but she doesn't turn to a man for help. The three characters who accompany her on her journey of seeking home, struggle along the way. And they are all non-humans, though played by men in the movie from 1939. In the story, Dorothy helps these characters as much as they help her. In part, we learn that they are archetypes for Dorothy's journey. In her dream, you may remember, they, resent, they represent elements of her struggle. Capacities she needs to incorporate within herself in order to make it back home. Elements she needs to balance within her to find her way in the world. These elements are commonly discussed as core pieces of our personality. And they have to do with thinking and feeling and doing. These characters on her journey or archetypes or character elements within this strong female lead are characters within each of us. What are they? What do they ask of us? Well, the first is the scarecrow. The scarecrow has a brain. But he's not so sure of that. And he doesn't trust himself to think. 
How can you talk if you don't have a brain? Dorothy asks him. And the scarecrow answers, I don't know, but plenty of people without brains do an awful lot of talking. How does each of us need to trust our ability to think, to use our brain fully, to think independently and critically? What are the ways you repress your ability to think through what you need on your journey? How do we need to ask the question in new ways? What am I really thinking? How do my thoughts matter? The second character is the Tin Man, who has more of a heart than he realizes, but his heart is what he is searching for. He doesn't trust his capacity for relationships, for feeling. Dorothy doesn't either. And neither do I most days, if I'm honest. Dorothy says, goodbye, tin man. Oh, don't cry. You'll rust so dreadfully. And the tin man replies, now I know I've got a heart because it's breaking. Feelings are messy but they are a requirement for healthy relationships. How do we each need to set aside our worry about self-image to connect to our own true feelings and the feelings of those around us? What are the ways you repress your ability to feel your feelings? The way you perhaps blow by or ignore the feelings of others? And how can you learn to ask in a new way what am I feeling? And the third is the cowardly lion who has the ability to act, the courage to do so, to respond to life's challenges. And so does Dorothy, and so do we. But do we trust that? The cowardly lion says before going into Oz, all right, I'll go in there for Dorothy. Wicked witch or not, guards or no guards, I'll tear them apart. I may not come out alive, but I am going in there. There's only one thing I want you fellows to do. The tin man and the scarecrow ask, what's that? And the lion replies, talk me out of it. No, you can do it. How do we each need to trust our gut? to trust those instincts to act without second-guessing ourselves? What are the ways we repress the ability to act, to do something we need to do? What am I doing? We need to ask ourselves. What is mine to do? Learning to trust our ability to think and feel and do is not easy work. It was not easy for the scarecrow, the tin man, or the lion. It was not easy for Dorothy, since each of these characters are elements within her. It's not easy for me. If you're honest, it's probably not easy for you to make sense of these elements within you as well. 
At about the same time as Baum's writing of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, a Russian philosopher and mystic named George Gurdjieff was weaving similar themes in what he described as a fourth way spirituality. He traveled the world studying different spiritual paths and found some that focus more on the heart, some that focus more on the head, some that focus more on the gut or the body. But a fourth way he describes integrates each of these in a holistic way of the soul. In Jesus' own response to the lawyer in Luke 10, is that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. Gurdjieff describes what it means to connect these dots, these elements within us. He says we love God with our heart, mind, or head, strength, or body. And all of these work together at the core of who we are becoming in our soul. What are the ways you might seek to balance these dimensions within you? Can you see that one dimension is perhaps lacking or out of balance on your journey? At first glance, most of us think that we have balance in each of these areas. However, as I described this weekend, you can imagine yourself sitting on a three-legged stool with one of the legs cut just a little short. You're sitting on this stool and you're a little wobbly because of that short leg, but you've kind of convinced yourself everything's fine. But everybody in your life is kind of watching, noticing you're not quite balanced. And what it takes to balance is to more fully incorporate our ability to think and feel and act or do. Thinking is how we make sense of information in our heads, gathering and sorting information, analyzing it and making plans to help us feel safe in the world. Feeling is how we make sense of relationships in our hearts connecting with the needs and desires of others to help us feel a sense of value and connection in the world. Doing, how we make sense of our innate gut responses, actions and reactions, our need to accomplish tasks to help us feel in control of how we operate in the world. If you are familiar with the ancient symbol, the Enneagram, a star made up of nine points. You may recognize these concepts. If you sat with me this weekend, you heard me talk about them over and over again and how they relate to nine ways of being in the world, nine personality types of sorts. And each of these make up the Enneagram, this ancient symbol that is a resource for reflection, for self-reflection, for non-judgmental self-observation. The Enneagram is simply 
a mirror for our soul, as Alice Freiling writes. How so? Isn't it a bit strange? Well, it is unusual. But there is something to the way that our thinking and feeling and doing shape our personalities. We're all driven by these characters. We can all make sense of how we make our way in the world feeling and thinking and doing. And probably the fact that we need to work on at least one of these characteristics in our daily lives. For example, my wife and I are people who know how to get things done. Which is great since we have those five adolescents living in our home. They're like gnats. They're everywhere. My wife says I probably shouldn't say that. We love them dearly, we do. My struggle is clearly in the area of feelings. Regardless, she and I know how to get things done. I'm a master launderer. I can cook dinner while I'm folding clothes. And Wendy can do homework for two of the kids at once. While doing is our strong suit, connecting at a feeling level, really connecting at a feeling level is a little more difficult for me. So on my way home from work most days, I give myself a pep talk about today being the day that I'm going to be that patient father. I'm going to listen to my children. I'm going to ask about their day. I'm not going to yell at them. I'm going to ask probing questions about their angsty teenage lives. And I walk in the door, and they're already yelling, so I just jump in. And I notice the mess, and I ask, just how much laundry do you wear in 24 hours? And I've asked for the hundredth time, does the TV have to be that loud? And you've left your iPad at school again? And what do you mean you have to be back at school in an hour? How are we going to eat dinner tonight? How are we going to talk about our lives like loving families are supposed to do? But it's not just the five adolescents that make me out of touch with my feelings. Did I mention there are five of them? You can ask my wife. I was just as driven with only one child. Honey, remember when we only had one child? <laughs> I couldn't slow down then. Even before the kids, I was on the go all the time. I just didn't come home. I worked at the homeless shelter while working on a PhD, while serving as pastor, while planning a protest against the war. It's not that I don't care about personal connections. I care deeply. And I'll show you by just how much I can do for you. But feelings are what I need to show how much I care. But they are just so messy and unpredictable. And they make my eyes water a lot. And if I cry, I'll rust so dreadfully. Finding the way back to my heart like the Tin Man is an ongoing journey. Most of us operate this way 
with one of these three traits is a given for you. You are a strong thinker. You are in touch with your feelings. Like me, you're able to get things done. You might not be the best at it, but your head, your heart, or your gut drive you. Do you know which of those three drives you most and what orients you in your daily life? I am a doing person, but I'm really driven by how people feel about me. That's not particularly healthy. I'm driven by image management, shape-shifting, wanting people to think I'm successful. The image of success is what has shaped me for far too long. Dorothy Serla, one of my favorite feminist theologians, writes this. Quoting Martin Buber, success is not a name of God. It could not be said more mystically nor more helplessly. To let go of the ego means, among other things, to step away from the coercion to succeed. It means to go where you are nothing. The ultimate criterion for taking action cannot be success because that would mean to go on dancing to the tunes of the bosses of this world. As a heterosexual, cisgender, white male, I've spent too long dancing to the tunes of the bosses of this world and the ways they reinforce the power and privilege that I'm chasing after. And men like me have to change our tune. In hearing stories of sexual assault in recent years, in hearing about children and families isolated, hurting, and dying at our border, of brown and black brothers and sisters whose lives are far too often devalued and our white supremacy systems. We have to decide if we are going to listen in new ways. With new cycle after new cycle, I need to let go of my need to succeed in the world's eyes and must learn to connect at a feeling level with real people in a real way. In order to do so, men like me need to read Audre Lorde, as a friend posted on social media recently. So, hear her words. If you come as softly as wind within the trees, you may hear what I hear. See what sorrow sees. If you come as lightly as threading dew, I will take, le I will take you gladly, nor ask any more of you. 
You may sit beside me, silent as a breath. Only those who stay dead shall remember death. And if you come, I will be silent, nor speak harsh words to you. I will not ask you why, now or how, or what you do. We shall sit here softly. Beneath two different years and the rich earth between us shall drink our tears. God, may it be so. May I learn to sit softly and lightly and to sit with differences, with pain, with the anguish that surrounds us. However, to let go of my ego is to stop chasing success and to go where I am nothing is never easy for me because I want to be something important. I want to be somebody. I always have something to accomplish, something to get done, and I cannot shake it. I don't know how to slow down. Pastor Julie once asked, does the velocity of your life exceed your ability to be present? Absolutely, mine does. And if my speed isn't problematic, my focus is. Carl Jung wrote also 100 years ago, 100 years ago, these words. The pace of our lives and Western culture, along with our exterior focus, leads us to a place where we easily lose the ability to observe the imbalance in our lives and lose touch with the value of the soul. How can I focus on my interior as much as the exterior? internally as much as what I'm chasing externally. On my inward journey as much as the outward journey. So as not to lose touch any further with the value of my soul. So as not to be any more imbalanced than I already am. Slowing down is not easy nor is looking inward. The lawyer in Luke's gospel was asking about priorities, was asking which of the things in this biblical to-do list is most important, which is required to inherit eternal life. What do I need to focus my energy on? He assumed it would be an exterior task of some kind. What do I need to do? For God. Jesus' response You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, 
and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's a collection of leadership writings in recent years that talk about whole leaders as those who balance their heart, their head, and their gut. Psychologists talk about balancing our personality characteristics that are affective, cognitive, and instinctive. They write about emotional, mental, and behavioral elements. These are just other words for feeling and thinking and doing. Many spiritual writings tie these elements together, as does the Enneagram, that we are our best selves when we recognize this struggle within us first, when we can see that these three traits are not in balance, and when we seek to learn to balance them in new ways. The Enneagram teaches that some of us struggle more with the heart or our feelings, some more with the head or thinking independently, others more with the gut or doing. And it is only in balance that we might be able to experience the fullness of our soul, of who God made us to be and of what it means to love God fully. Will you pray with me? Oh God, from Dorothy's journey 100 years ago to the lawyers 2,000 years ago to each of us today, we must learn to connect with ourselves in a new way. To connect with our neighbors and to connect with you in ways that reflect our heart, our head, and our gut. And as a result, our soul. We have to trust the value of connections rooted in feeling, thinking, and doing. And we have to know in you that all three are a part of who you have created us to be. Remind us, O oh God, that this is the place where we will experience the depth of our soul and where we will more fully experience you. Amen.